This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, Carnival. Also via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. This podcast is also available via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, the iHeartRadio website and app, and warfradio.com. Just search for the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. Coming up on this week's show, we'll be catching up with Megan Ellis of the Rhineland Lions in Germany and also Gazelle Kazimi Arbit from the Central Blues in Canada's AFL Ontario Women's Competition. But first, the latest women's footy news. First to AFLW news, and we begin with the Richmond Football Club, who are on the lookout for a new AFLW head coach after parting ways with Tom Hunter. Hunter, who was appointed as a coach for the women's program in 2018, led the Tigers through two VFLW campaigns, including a finals appearance in 2019, and was given the title of the 2019 VFLW Coach of the Year. However, 2020 would turn out to be a chocolates to bald lolly story for Tom Hunter as he'd become the only head coach in AFLW's short history to record a winless season and the wooden spoon for the Tigers. Meanwhile, the Collingwood Football Club held their best and fairest award late last week with Jamie Lambert taking out the top honour on 91 votes ahead of Brittany Benici with 63 votes and in third place, Brianna Davey with 45 votes. Here was Jamie Lambert speaking on the Collingwood Football Club website. Um, yeah, it's obviously a really big honour, but um, I have to thank all of my teammates because I, I wouldn't have won this without them and... It's a team sport. It's not an individual sport. It's it's about the team, and the team was unbelievable this year. So. Thanks for the team, really. And while most AFLW clubs are holding their best and fairest awards virtually, the Brisbane Lions have confirmed they will be delaying the announcement of their best and fairest awards until the COVID-19 pandemic restrictions are lifted. And finally, AFL Victoria have confirmed the community football clubs in their state who commence small outdoor group training sessions beginning Monday the 25th of May. Community football clubs will be permitted to train in maximum groups of 10 with two groups permitted on one oval and must adhere to the relevant Victorian state government guidelines and AFL Victoria's return to small outdoor group training guidelines as well as seeking permission from their local council. And that is the latest women's footy news. As you heard in our women's footy news segment, community football training, albeit very restricted, will begin again soon. And what is it going to look like in this coronavirus environment? Well, let's go somewhere where they've recommenced training. Let's go over to Cologne. Germany, the home of the Rhineland Tigers, who will be playing in the AFL Germany women's competition when that starts, and were founding members of the Western European Women's League, which actually kicked off at the start of March with the Galilea Cup, where they played two games. They were going to have a week off and then play some preseason games against some clubs from England, and then the coronavirus really started to get out of control. So let's look on the brighter things. They have begun training last Sunday. What does that look like in this coronavirus environment and how close are they to finally getting out there and playing competitive games? To explain it all, we've got on the line a woman originally from Ballarat in Victoria, an Aussie living over there. Her name is Megan Ellis. Megan, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? 
Not too bad at all. And as everyone can hear, it's clearly not a German accent. It's an Aussie accent. So how did someone yeah. <laughs> from Ballarat end up in Germany? Um, well, my husband works for a German company. So we moved from Bel- Ballarat by uh, Melbourne to here in Germany three and a half years ago. Uh, so it's been a really good opportunity for us to come in uh, spread the Australian culture here by doing the football and everything. It's been wonderful. The Rhineland Lions, now they've obviously had a, a men's side and the men's competition's been fairly strong in Germany. But for women's football, it's only come across the last couple of years, particularly with the move of Lisa Wilson from England across to Germany, which really seemed to give everything a shot in the arm. But I believe this was meant to be the debut year for the Lions. Yeah, we uh, ordered our uniforms ready to start the 2020 season and unfortunately that obviously came to a halt. Um, But we're looking forward to eventually um, starting that back up again. Um, Yeah, we really uh, had a full team for the first time. Uh, The girls first joined in 2018, um, but there was no league at the time. So uh, it was something that we're all really looking forward to. So let's talk about the formation of the side. We know you're based out of Cologne and we know that as there was a handful of players and some of them went on to represent the German Eagles in the AFL European Championship last year. When did the decision finally come about to say, OK, we're going to get a full squad together, we're going to train, we're going to be partaking in the AFL Germany women's competition and also, which came as a surprise to everyone, that new WEWL, the Western European Women's League? Yeah, um, well, last year in 2019, the Rhineland Lions ladies actually joined with Frankfurt to make a team uh, for the first season of the German League for AFLW. Um, So what happened was uh, we got Lisa, as you just mentioned, and she really wanted to have a full Lions team after everyone was quite inspired by joining with the Frankfurt team. Uh, But obviously it's, it's a bit hard with training and logistics, so uh, between Lisa and one of our uh, members, Janine, they decided to do some heavy recruitment. Uh, this is when they actually found me. I got an email while I was at home holidaying in Australia. Uh, so they had formed a team. We have quite a number of women now that between you know holidays, injuries, whatever else, we can still form a full team. So it was just thanks to the recruitment of some really dedicated players. Now we, we have exactly what they were after. Let's talk about your recruitment. Um, was it a case of that your husband was playing and you were just tagging along and they said, look, you've got to play? No, it's actually uh, the other way around. I'm uh, the one that got recruited and my husband followed me. <laughs> the, uh, I got the email from Lisa. I actually play Gaelic football and she asked the local teams in the area, did they have any women they think might be interested in playing uh, AFL women's? And uh, my name came up because being Australian, they thought, well, you know, she probably knows quite a lot, which I think I might. (laughs) So uh, they, yeah, naturally found me this way. And as I said, I was in Australia, got the email from the coach and, yeah, just thought, why not? Let's talk about that makeup of the side since you're an Australian playing in it. We know it varies by countries. For example, over in America in uh, women's football, it's about 90, 95% American and only 5 to 10% Australian playing in that competition. Completely different over in England, particularly the AFL London competition where it's dominated by Australians. What's the makeup like of nationalities coming, first of all, out of the Rhineland Lions, but overall in Germany? Um, yeah, I haven't, uh, I don't know too much about the other teams, what their nationality makeup is. 
Uh, but definitely our team, we have a really good mix. Uh, we've got quite a number of Germans. Uh, we've got three or four Australians that have been part of the team, but a lot of them have actually just gone back home during the um, COVID-19 time. Uh, so we've got quite a few Australians, Germans. We've got Portuguese players. We've got uh, Lisa, our coaches from England. So we're quite a diverse team. Um, there's also like a mixture of nationalities, like uh, Greek, uh, German. We've got Scottish. We've got British. We've got a bit of everything. So let's talk about the first games that you managed to play, and that was as the Rhineland Lions in the Gallia Cup, uh, taking on Paris and Amsterdam. Unfortunately, you didn't come away with a win, but the important thing is you got your squad out there for the first time. What's some of the things you learnt as a team, you learnt about yourselves in those first two matches? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, I think, uh, for a lot of the girls, they'd never played a proper game. They'd only been training, and, I mean, for a lot of these women, they haven't even seen a game. So it was really, uh, the mood was just so exciting for everyone. It was a bit nervous. I think that you really realized at the time that your team is so important because they are like family to you. Um, a lot of our people that we have in our team are expatriates or moved here from other parts of Germany away from family. So you really had that sense of bonding and, um, you know, we all wanted to be there for one another and help each other out however we could, whether it was with nerves or a skill. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was a really um, humbling time, I guess, to really make those connections that we wouldn't have otherwise had. Um, I think there was also the girls that travelled by bus together overnight. Um, they had a really good time on the bus, uh, you know, as much as fun as you can have. Um, just getting to know one another better and, yeah, creating those, those friendships. So it's the first time you've seen the squad out there on the park. I mean, people can perform well at training, but you don't really know who your star players are until you get out there and the whistle goes. In your eyes, who really stood out for you in that debut for the Run and Lions? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. We actually had um, quite a few standouts. We're a little bit surprised. Some people really dug their heels in when it came to it. Uh, we have an Aussie recruit, Anna, who's living in Cologne, that we all um, voted that she was one of our best on ground. She just had a really good feel for where to be on the pitch and how to like um, how to handle the ball, I guess. Uh, we also had um, Judith, who is German but lived in Canada for some time, uh, who was just great in defense. And, you know, we hadn't trained a lot with her, some of us, so it was such a surprise to see um, these great skills come out. Um, but everyone just gave it full commitment, and I think, um, yeah, the defending was amazing considering it's a contact sport and a lot of these women don't come from a background of AFL. We talk about the WEWL with Paris and Amsterdam in there and the AFL Germany competition. Obviously, it's very important for your own uh, country to have a competition, but how more important is it to be playing against sides and giving regular competition to Paris and Amsterdam who themselves don't actually have a strong local competition? It's uh, really important for us. It's uh, it's interesting to see the way that other um, how other countries sort of run their establishments. Uh, they, I mean, there are obviously massive similarities in their way that they uh, they're open and their friendliness. But it's uh, interesting. We weren't expecting, I think, to have uh, such strong teams to play against. They had really amazing skills. And as you said, we know that sometimes their local competitions are not as strong as what the German one is. So it was um, 
not not necessarily surprising, but it was yeah a, a little bit interesting, I guess, for us. We weren't expecting uh, to have such a strong side to play against. Uh, I I think that they were really honoured to have a full line team, especially. Um, under the circumstances that Janine, one of our members, uh, who was instrumental in helping set it up, um, they they kind of felt like they were hosting, uh, well, essentially it's her memory because we unfortunately she passed away in January. So it was quite an interesting moment to have people from two countries, some people who had never met her, um, to kind of, we all got together and it was it was quite a nice moment. Let's talk about that. We, we are jumping a little ahead, but with Janine Benecke, um passed away in a tragic accident in January. Um, you actually named a round in her honour, um, which was, if everything was normal, we did have this COVID-19 situation, uh, meant to be played on the 4th of July, the Janine Benecke round. Yeah, um, it was a bit of a shock to everyone because it was such a sudden tragedy um, it was a drink driving accident in northern Italy. Um, so, yeah, we were completely not expecting it. Uh, Janine was just like the heart and soul of our club. She was responsible for a lot of the growth within women's players, not only at the Rhineland Lions, but here in Germany and beyond. Uh, she was living in, uh, I believe it was Byron Bay, uh, for some time, found the sport there and really wanted to um, push it through in Germany. So it was super important. I, I don't think we can talk about uh, the match in France without talking about Janine because uh, we were also honoured to do it for her in her memory. Um, it was an emotional time. The girls uh, that we were playing against from Amsterdam and Paris, they actually all signed a ball and handed it to us at the end when we were doing the awards just to like commemorate that you know, acknowledged Janine and everything she did for the sport and just how amazing she was as a person. Prior to um, the COVID-19 situation, you had a a big calendar filled out. In fact, um, everything had to stop for you on March 14th, which was kind of the week off between the Galilea Cup and what was going to be back-to-back two practice games. You actually had uh, booked in to come to Cologne, uh, the London Swans on the 21st of March, and then you were going to have the Wimbledon Hawks on the 28th. Yeah, we had um, quite a full calendar that we were looking forward to. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it all came to a grinding halt. We had everything set up to host the players as well. Um, But, you know, we we understand safety comes first, and it, it was just something that had to happen. Um, we are hoping, I mean, we have those channels open for the future as well. It's, uh, it's only one year that we're missing this, so we're being very positive about the situation. Um, we, as far as we know, everyone is quite healthy, so I think it's been a good decision, um, as hard as it was to make. <laughs> the season was going to be, come April, you were meant to be hosting, uh, Pame, you were meant to be playing away at Berlin. Um, this weekend, just mm-hmm. gone, you were meant to be uh, hosting uh, Amsterdam and Paris in the second round of the WEWL. And uh, you've had, by theory, coming up in uh, a week and a half, Hamburg. Then uh, you had another round in Amsterdam at the WEWL. And still to come, uh, you had uh, in July, you were taking on the Southern Tiger Roos. And then you were going to round out the season in... Uh, in hosting Frankfurt. So you had a pretty full-on calendar for a team outside of Australia in your first year. Yeah, it was a a really full season and 
I think that was done on purpose because the girls felt like they just wanted to play more football, get more practice, uh, because you obviously can't make uh, training to be as effective as playing matches just to get that experience. Um, everyone's really, really excited about playing matches, so that was the point of trying to get as many rounds as possible to play, but um, obviously it wasn't to be, but uh, we're hoping that that will pick up before the end of the season, that we can reopen some of the games. Um, it's, yeah, super unfortunate, but again, it's understandable why this has to happen. Don't go anywhere. We've got more of our chat with Megan Ellis of the Ryland Lions coming up right after this. Been playing for a while Sweet kicks Cause footy makes you smile Sweet kicks football If you're getting ready for the trials Gotta go the extra mile Sweet kicks football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football you're listening to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, Carnival. I'm Peter Holton. Thanks for your company. We're chatting with Megan Ellis of the Rhineland Lions of the AFL Germany Women's Competition and the Western European Women's League. So while we have this lockdown situation, everyone's trying to stop themselves from going stir crazy and uh, and uh, not put on the kilos by sitting there eating buckets of ice cream watching Netflix. So what so what have you been trying to do while you're all in isolation in Germany to try and keep a everyone connected uh, from a mental health perspective, but from a physical health perspective, make sure that everyone's keeping up at least a certain level of fitness. So when you had the green light, you were ready to go. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely been eating all the ice cream, so you definitely got that right. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the, our coach has actually set up a Lions Kick COVID challenge. Uh, they had a prize and they were announcing weekly results and then an overall result. So they were doing things like the cha-cha challenge and the handstand challenge just to make it a little bit fun as well as some really competitive physical challenges. Uh, so that was a lot of fun to keep everyone moving and in check. Uh, we also did some social events like um, via uh, Zoom trivia every Saturday night, which was a lot of fun. So we would take turns in making the trivia questions and being participants. Uh, so that was that was a really uh, good thing that everyone could look forward to. Some people are alone during this time, so it was really nice to make sure that we all stayed in touch socially as well as doing the physical challenges. Uh, the coaches are also really thorough with checking in with how everyone's going. And if we weren't answering them, they were messaging us saying, okay, what are you doing? What What's keeping you motivated? So I think it was really important to have those contacts at the time. Uh, and we have also got uh, everyone's connections on Strava so we can keep up with what's happening. One of the boys even ran um, a picture of a lion at the end of his run. That's what it looked like. <laughs> so it's been quite quite fun. Everyone's in good spirits. 
So you're starting to slowly come out of uh, the restrictions like we are here in Australia. In fact, AFL Victoria announced uh, some guidelines for community sport to start coming back from uh, next Monday. Um, how's things over there at the moment? I believe, particularly for your club, you actually managed to come back last week and begin some form of training. Yeah, uh, the first training session happened on Sunday. It was met with such enthusiasm from everyone. Um, we had some strict rules to follow, and that was fine because I think these people would do whatever you ask them to do if you are uh, allowing them to play football. Uh, so we obviously have to keep the two metres distance still. Uh, the balls do have to be disinfected as well as everyone's hands at least every 30 minutes. So, you know, just every time between drills. Um, and maximum of 25 people. So it, it, we, we have to sign up. It has to be registered that you are there. And, I mean, they're pretty simple rules to follow. Not hard to do to make make sure that we're back training again. Over here, obviously, in Australia, because we've got all the states broken up, everyone's coming back at, at different times and they're all coming back in different ways with different regulations. What's the situation over there in Germany? Is the different cities coming back at different times or have you got a blanket rule covering the whole country? Um, yeah, it's the same with us. With the different states have different rules and even sometimes it can break down to the cities as well. Uh, so we're very lucky here that we are allowed to train in North Rhine-Westphalia, but some of the other clubs here in Germany are unfortunately not able to resume their tra- training yet. So I'm not sure exactly which regions because it's changing constantly. Um, I think some may have had restrictions eased since we were able to start training again, but we're hoping that everyone will be back to training soon so that the leagues can start the games again. Has there been much conversation uh, from the league about outlying a possible plan, some possible dates when you could be back playing again and, and what the season structure might look like? Uh, at the moment, the only details that has been passed on to us is that until every team has at least two weeks training, we won't be able to resume playing games with the German league. So it's really a matter of waiting for those clubs to get the green light to start training and then two weeks later once they've had two full weeks of training uh, that's when they can start to establish these games again and start rescheduling them things get a little bit more complicated with the WEWL I believe the Netherlands is coming back and I think you're just waiting for France to get the okay for Paris and then uh, obviously you've got to see about uh, if that travel is okay to the Netherlands uh, or of course uh, for Amsterdam or Paris to come to you in Cologne. Yeah, absolutely. Um, As of the 15th of May, we've had a little bit less restrictions of crossing the borders, Um, but that doesn't mean, I guess, that it's easy and that every border is open. So uh, obviously you can't rush these things. They'll come when they come, and uh, we're really hoping that it happens soon so that we can all get back together and have another round. That would be uh, amazing to try and make that happen again. Uh, We don't want to miss too much more football, obviously. And has it also been uh, for the girls in the side that were meant to represent Germany in the uh, AFL International Cup, which was going to be held July-August this year. It has been postponed uh, a year. The July-August date hasn't been 100% confirmed yet for, for 2021, but it has been postponed at least for a year. What's their state like? They were all built up, obviously, to, to come to Australia to represent Germany, and now that thing's got to stretch out for a little while longer if it does happen in 2021. Yeah, I mean, everyone's gone off to, uh, like, you know, 
do the recruitment and uh, the process that they they all undertook to to get selected for the different teams. And uh, yeah, it was such a shame that everything's had to be postponed. But I think it just makes everyone so much more eager to come back and do it again when they have the opportunity. So, uh, you know, taking that negative and turning it to a positive and really getting that drive and not losing motivation um, being super important for the girls. I know that they were really, you know, upset that they couldn't play football this year as much as what they wanted and in the different leagues. But as I said, they're really hungry for it next year now. You talk about recruitment. What's it been like still trying to recruit players over March, April, May, when obviously you can't go out and have face-to-face contact with someone or get them to come over and train? How difficult is it to recruit in those circumstances? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, also a little bit, I guess, of a positive. We seem to be recruiting players. I think when everyone's bored, (laughs) they're looking for something to do once uh, they come out of this isolation. So it's not been impossible. Uh, Obviously, we're not getting the people who see us training in the park or, you know, different ways that we normally would be able to recruit. But um, we're definitely still getting some interest, I think, uh, that we're able to still show via social media that we're a fun team, even if we're not training. Uh, so it's it's not been too negative. It hasn't impacted us a lot. We haven't lost any players uh, from this except for the ones. Uh, we had a few girls go back to Australia to be with their families during this time, but they're hoping to rejoin us once it's all over. Yeah, it hasn't been, uh, it hasn't had a lot of impact on our club especially. Well, Megan, thank you very much for joining us here at the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. Uh, well done for being able to uh, be part of the process in starting up the Ryland Lions. I know you've got uh, a little bit of a, a knee injury yourself. Hopefully that uh, won't take too long to recover. And when they're out there running around, hopefully you'll be back out there soon joining them wearing that Ryland Lions jumper. Yeah, we can hope so. Thank you so much. Don't go anywhere. We're off to Canada next on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast right here on RSN Carnival. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. You're listening to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, Carnival. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks so much for your company. So before the break, we heard from Megan Ellis of the Rhineland Lions and how there's a light at the end of the tunnel for the AFL Germany women's competition and hopefully they'll have competitive matches very shortly. Let's find out how they're faring in Canada, in particular Toronto, home of the AFL Ontario women's competition. And this is where we catch up with Gazelle Kazimi Arbit of the Central Blues. Gazelle, how are you? Awesome. Great, Peter. How are you all doing? Not too bad down here, even though the winter weather is starting to bite. How is it up there in the uh, great north as you start to head towards your summer? Well, it should be looking a lot nicer, but the last couple of weeks have just been rainy and pretty cold. So it's uh, uncharacteristically damp and uh, cold out there. Well, I guess in one way you don't have to worry about the weather with everyone staying inside due to the COVID-19 situation, but we'll touch on all of that in a moment. First of all, obviously, as we can tell by your accent, you're a Canadian, so how did you go about discovering Aussie Rules football? 
Oh, uh, well, my first uh, contact with footy was when I was living in Australia in Adelaide with my in-laws because I'm actually married to an Australian. And uh, we, they took me out to a local footy match. So we went to an SA NFL match and I saw the uh, North Adelaide Roosters versus West Adelaide. And uh, I was told that the Roosters are my team. So I, I, that was my first uh, contact with footy and it was amazing so i just uh love the fast pace of the game and i tried to understand the rules as best i could but you can't argue it's an amazing game to watch so it's that a, was my first contact it's an interesting way to be introduced to the game because we usually hear it's either they get brought along to particularly if they're north america a local training session they see it for the first time for some it's been watching it on espn it's always been watching the big league not too many get to start their story by saying they store a state league match which you did with the sanfl um what did you think of it considering it, it's a smaller atmosphere it's only a couple of thousand people that go along what, what initial impressions did you have of the culture that surrounded the game um, I thought it was incredible because I felt initially entering the clubhouse had this family vibe. Uh, everybody knew everyone in there and it was a great way for the community to get together. So it was, it was just a big lifeblood, a pumping heart for the, for the community. And I just loved it. And just seeing the fans, you could tell that they knew every player, uh, up close and personal. So it really gave that, that extra special touch. So you've had that exposure here in Australia. How about in Canada? How did you come across your local team there in Toronto, the Central Blues? Well, um, I think there's a song about this, actually. It goes a little bit like this. I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar <laughs> when I met the Blues. I actually was uh, a waitress and uh, a big group of Sweaty men and women came in and sat in my section on the patio, and my shift was about to end, and I was a bit frustrated at first, but after serving 20-odd people and chatting with them, they were so friendly, and uh, here in Canada and Ontario, no club wastes an opportunity to recruit, so they asked me to come out to a training, and because they seemed like such a fun group of people and they were so welcoming, I came out to the very next training on Monday, and I fell in love, and the rest is history. So how would you describe yourself as a footballer? Um, <laughs> uh, how would I describe myself? Well, uh, I'll put it this way, Peter. I'm not the fastest and I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm the most skilled. I'm not on Northern Lights, but I've got the enthusiasm and the fun. And I think, I think what I do for my club is I make sure that everyone is having a good time and when I'm on the field I play the back line I do love a good tackle and that's probably why I love the sport so much so um I'm not a goon but uh, I'm also not too far from it I'll say let's talk about the performance of the Central Blues been a tough couple of years including last year you're unlucky to get a win on the board but it did improve as the year went on despite a couple of heavy losses at the start you got within five points of knocking off the High Park Demons in the uh, final round before the uh, finals kicked in so when you take a reflection back on that what are the things as a team you're trying to focus on as your improvement in gameplay to get that elusive win and then start that slow climb up the ladder. Yes. Um, that last game, uh, really 
really was a tough one because we gave it our all. Uh, I have to say that we lost six veteran players last year from our women's team due to injury and relocation. And uh, it was tough because we were struggling for numbers as well. And we had a lot of new people and the Blues are always welcoming anybody, regardless of fitness uh, level or background in sports. And uh, we, we had a lot of uh, novice players in their first season. So our skills weren't there and our fitness needed some work. But um, the way we were doing it was focusing on the small things we were doing right. So when we shepherded for a teammate and trying to have a dynamic around when the ball is on the ground to not form for it, but to make sure that we always have someone hanging back ready for that hand pass, for the handball. So we just worked on small things and tried to perfect those. And our coach uh, was really positive and tried to uh, keep our focus on rebuilding. Last year was about rebuilding. And I can say that we never took our foot off the gas pedal in our off season. And we did a great job of recruiting through October, November, December, January. And our preseason numbers this year uh, were incredible. We had roughly 40 people turning out on Saturday mornings in cold, cold January. So it was amazing. So I think that if this season had gone on uh, without COVID-19, you would definitely see something worth talking about with the Blues. Talking about that recruitment, prior to COVID-19 hitting, which uh, it, it did in early March, what was that like? Because I believe, like, for some Canadian clubs, your training would have been restricted to indoors because it's very cold outside. What were the numbers looking like on the women's side? Not just numbers, but the quality of players as well. Well, um, we've also acquired some forces to be reckoned with, whether that's word of mouth or our... Uh, our efforts on social media and uh, our outreach when we go out for uh, bar crawls and other events because we have two sponsor pubs. But the people we acquired, we've got some amazing athletes that have come over from other sports, in particular uh, rugby. We've acquired a few women from uh, a rugby team that are uh, dynamos on the field. And uh, we also have a few Gaelic players that joined this season. So when I say that this 2020 season would have been different it is in large part due to the fact that we got a uh, great new high quality uh, group to join our diehard loyal uh, team that's been improving for a while now including one gun on your side that we need to mention Haley Jones who was selected for the Canada Northern Lights squad yes and she is uh, an amazing asset to our club. And yeah, so she, I spoke to her today and she is uh, refocusing the whole squad. The Northern Lights are refocusing by uh, building the relationships uh, within the team so that they have that uh, connection going into 2021, as well as working on gameplay and strategy and individually getting as many touches on the ball. Uh, but really just trying to tune those skills and fitness, uh, and now with an extra year, they've adjusted their uh, plan for fitness goals and improvements. And so the bright side to all this mess is uh, they basically have another year to get stronger, smarter, and more skilled.
That must be tough going for her as it is uh, all those that want to play in uh, what was going to be IC 2020. They were all built up with March. They were four months out for the tournament, so they were ready to start hitting uh, their hardest pre-season and peak form to get ready to come to Australia. And then, of course, that all gets put on hold. To be fair, it's the same for a lot of other sports, uh, particularly the Olympic Games, which has been postponed a year. How has Hayley been coping with that? That, okay, she was ready for this year, now we got to wait 12 more months. Uh, initially, devastated. Uh, that goes without saying. Uh, the commitment I saw in Haley just when she joined her club, but from the moment she made the team, she just became a fine-tuned athlete and took every opportunity to improve and learn. And her, she was so dedicated and still is. And I think that she is uh, a very positive-minded person. So... She is taking this extra time to get better because she joined the Blues at the start of 2019. So she actually only played a full one season. And her first match was in Columbus because that is our annual uh, trip down to Columbus on Cinco de Mayo weekend. And we won that match in Ohio and I played that game with her. And that was her first game. So she is probably welcoming the opportunity to learn even more because she's a new, uh, she's quite new to the sport. So, how is everyone coping on the Central Blues squad uh, during this COVID nineteen uh, situation? Uh, currently in Canada, what restrictions are in place? What can you and can you not do? Well, Peter, we cannot uh, gather in groups of more than five people outside your household. And frankly, uh, AFL Ontario, we've encouraged. Uh, no in-person training or social events. So the government is quite strict here because our cases are a lot higher than in Australia. So we are waiting for the green light to train in person. Uh, in the meantime, the Blues have been actively looking for other ways. For example, every Saturday at 11 a.m., uh, our coach, Bruce Parker, leads a fitness training live off of our public page on Facebook and we all join in for that fitness training together on Saturdays. And Sundays, we often uh, connect via Zoom chat and just sort of uh, touch base with each other every week to make sure that we don't lose that sense of uh, club culture and community that we have. Yeah, that's one thing that people don't talk about that often. When they talk about what's happening with this COVID-19 situation, everyone being isolated, the greater focus is on how are you keeping feared? What are you doing with the game plan? It's all what's happening on the field, but to make a successful on-field team, you also got to build that off-field culture. Now, obviously, you're the social director as well at the uh, Central Blue. So, normally, during a year, the normal year without this pandemic, you'd be going, okay, on this week, we're going to have a pub crawl. On this week, we're having this theme night at, at our sponsor's bar and, and so forth. You've got all that planning out, all that bonding session. How do you create that type of bonding when people can't meet? Oh, Peter, it's been so hard. My calendar is normally filled with the blues events and I love it that way. And, and now, you know, it's just empty and it feels strange, but We've been uh, coping, I think, in smaller groups. We chat with each other regularly, checking in for mental health. Um, but we also try and have online karaoke nights where we use different apps to get together and play songs and just recreate a bit of the magic that we have in person because what's really kept our club going this long 
is the fact that we have a very special club culture and a sense of family. And, and in this time, more than ever, we need each other. So we've been making sure to connect with each other. And it's genuine. Everybody in the club is chatting with each other and reminding each other that once we get the green light and it's safe, we are going to come together and it's going to be amazing. Also, you have a role as uh, the women's rep for um, the Central Blues on the AFL Ontario uh, committee. Um, so what is the advice that AFL Ontario is getting from the government so far, particularly about when we look ahead to when things might start to slowly have restrictions released and maybe, fingers crossed, a season happens at some <laughs> stage? Yes, we, we have monthly meetings uh, and weekly updates with the committee and the board. And uh, as of now, it looks like the government has put everything on hold until the end of June. So uh, no city permits or facilities are open. Uh, it's been declared they're closed till the end of June. So the earliest so we could uh, start training again is July 1st. And uh, we really hope so, just because we will need a few weeks, I think, before we start playing matches. And there's been talks of a shortened season, uh, which is you know, a desperate attempt to hold on to a premiership season as close to normal as what we're used to. But, um, you know, if things get delayed for m- even more, uh, for example, August 1st, if we get the green light, we're going to be looking at more tournament-style weekends uh, with shortened games, and it wouldn't be a premiership uh, season. Yes, I was thinking about that. If you do have those limited weekends, you're looking at um, shortened quarters, round robin, play a couple of sides on that weekend type of format. Yeah, which in another, you know, if you just flip the coin and look at the bright side of that, it could be a great opportunity for the clubs to uh, have a chance to meet each other in a less competitive, uh, you know, atmosphere and therefore fortify some bonds, reconnect and just make sure that the sport is well promoted over here because we want at least some opportunity to make sure that footy happens in 2020 to retain players and to remind players of why we're we're all here. Now, one advantage you do have uh, in the uh, continent of North America that uh, the USAFL doesn't have and uh, many other cities don't have. And I had the uh, privilege of actually taking a quick look at when I was over in Toronto in October last year is you actually have a full-sized Aussie rules field there at Humber College South in in, in Etobicoke. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that ground and what it is to actually have a proper football ground there without having to do what other leagues do, which is just find a paddock somewhere and put out some cones and some plastic poles. (laughs) Oh, uh, Peter, I am spoiled because I've uh, known no different. But uh, now seeing the other side of that, um, because the Blues, we train on other pitches that are shaped like soccer pitches, it is tough because when you want to really practice what a game looks like, it's all in your head. But, you know, having that actual field, it's, it is another advantage. It makes you feel like this, uh, the sport is here to stay and, uh, you know, the fresh grass and, and, uh, just having, you know, that perfect lawn and in such a gorgeous location, we're, we're spoiled. So, uh, that's all I can say about that. 
And how is it um, when you, uh, I guess, in, in a friendly competitive way, go recruiting against um, the other Toronto-based teams? Obviously, you've got High Park Demons there, Etobicoke uh, Kangaroos, and a bit further out from Toronto, of course, you've got uh, uh, the Hamilton Wildcats and obviously further away, the Ottawa Swans. Uh, what is it like between the uh, at least the three Toronto-based teams you try to uh, uh, fight each other if you meet at a bar to find that recruit to play for your side? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, uh, you know, that is the reality, Peter, just because it, it is a uh, niche sport and it's not very well known over here. So uh, having so many close teams, it's hard because I have, every year we all have to make a push for numbers. Uh, people are always moving, getting injured or things happen. So we all need to stack up our teams every year. But what's great is uh, we do have a lot of friendly events, for example, one that didn't go down was Anzac Day. Uh, we have a charity match with High Park Demons every year, and we raise money for the local Canadian Legion in honor of our vets. That that would have been a, a great event, but we've been doing that for many years. And with the other clubs, we always, uh, whenever we play them, we always have a fifth after, and whether it's Ottawa or this and that, we, we generally, we the Blues make an effort to uh, build those friendships with other clubs, but there definitely is that push for recruitment. So we do get creative. We have two sponsor pubs. We're very fortunate to have the Blues. And uh, we just do a lot. Our calendar is busy with so many outings and events that people drag their friends, their roommates, their partners uh, to our parties. And then they leave being like, I want to I want to play with this team. I don't even know what Aussie Rules is. So one of our biggest calls of fame is our uh, club culture and we, you know, we spend a lot of holidays together, like Christmas. Uh, myself and my husband, we hosted uh, an orphan Christmas in our home for all the expats that uh, don't have family. So uh, we just all spent the day together. And I think what really makes our club special is that next level family. So. Well, because before I let you go, I should get the plug out there as well, because if any Australians, once the COVID-19 restrictions are lifted, are thinking about going to Canada to do that working holiday visa and staying there for a while, particularly in Toronto, or they've got friends uh, over there in North America, where can they find the Central Blues online? Oh, we are everywhere. So our social media outreach is easy to find. We are on Facebook as the Central Blues. Uh, we are on Instagram. We have our website, bluesafc.ca. Um, you just look up Central Blues and we will pop up. We'll be right there. So uh, reach out to us and we're on Twitter as well. So it'll be quite easy to find. Uh, if you're, you don't know where to find them, you can find me, Giselle Kazemi Arbat. But uh, the Central Blues, we are on every social media. So if you just tag us in, we are so happy to welcome anyone. And on Facebook, look for Central Blues Australian Football Club. Gazelle, thank you very much for joining us here at the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital channel, Carnival. And fingers crossed, sooner rather than later, you and the Central Blues can be out there again challenging for the AFL Ontario Women's Premiership. Thank you, Peter. And we're hoping to. So uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, stay keen on footy because it's amazing. 
And that concludes the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital channel, Carnival, for yet another week. Don't forget you can download this podcast from Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, the iHeartRadio website and app, and also at WARFradio.com. Just go into Google and search Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. And by the way, if you are listening via Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate a review from you as well. You can follow us on social media, WARF radio we're on facebook instagram and twitter and don't forget to be back here next wednesday 6 p.m australian eastern standard time on rsn carnival to hear this episode as it goes to air for the first time i'm peter holden thanks so much for your company and look forward to catching up with you next week